So this morning we have this part two of joy uh, as we considered what the Bible has to say about joy last week. Um, this week we're wanting to answer the question, okay, so we kind of know what should give us joy. So how do we actually have joy in those things? How do we grow in our own experience with joy and, and walking in joy uh, in the midst of all the trials and, and good times and bad times that we see throughout life? Um, so how do we do that as believers? So that's what our goal is for today. But first, um, what are some of those things that steal joy? Hate. Hate? Why do we hate people or things? What, what, are we, what do you mean there, Brooke? We just went over that. Um, a perceived, oh gosh, I can't even remember now, but it was, I remember the perceived injustice against yourself or something of mm -hmm. that sort. Like it's, it may not actually be an injustice, but it, it's perceived that way and it's very self-centered. Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> so when people wrong us, right? Yeah, yeah. Whether that's actually they wronged us or whether we just perceive it to be that way or we're just kind of self-centered and we think that if you're not worshiping me then you're not you're doing something wrong so yeah there's there's when people wrong us what else can steal joy <clears throat> sorry health. health yeah um, physical suffering getting a disease a diagnosis chronic pain or even just you know, getting a cold or the flu circumstances mm -hmm. or the world circumstances you look around and go oh, no joy <laughs> what, are, what are some specific things that might some specific circumstances that do enough that enough money not enough mm -hmm. money mm -hmm. yeah if we're losing Rough money job, not <laughs> yeah. circumstances at work rough job no job I like that cat listening to the news listening to the news boy still walking why does it do that? Because you let it impact you personally. If you're just listening to it to know, that's different than like absorbing it as a personal thing. Mm -hmm. you know? Is it bad to listen to the news? Not you can do it the right way, and you do it in limited amounts. <laughs> you're not focusing on it. <laughs> yeah. Never knowing who you can trust, including when you listen to the news. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think the news is the news is tricky because it's one of those things. I, I personally seem to be on just one end or the other. I either want to hear all the news or I don't want to hear any of the news, and what, like so many other things, we have to find the balance because I, do, I It is my responsibility to know what's going on, to be informed, and not to bury my head in the sand in a sense. But I also don't need to be, you know, following everything that is said, and, and I need to be aware of. The perspectives that are behind the reporting of the news, we, we kind of know that what kind of news tends to get more play? Sensational. Sensational, like scary stuff, yeah. fear-inducing things. Bad news sells. So that's predominantly what what is played, what is reported on. So we got to balance that a bit. So yeah, listening to the news can, can steal your joy if you hear about all of the 
bad things happening, the dangerous things that are going on. What else can steal joy? Insecurity feelings when we're insecure. We're not very, we're trusting something that's going to fade where Christ is the one that holds all things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very insecure. So you got worry, stress, that mm -hmm. popped it very much so. Yeah, so insecurity is this, this desire to um, have confidence in myself or to have confidence that other people have confidence in me. And so when, when we don't feel like that's there, we get anxious, fearful. It just robs any joy mm -hmm. of anything. Yeah. So misplaced trust. <coughs> that's good. Any other things? What steals Social media. Social media? How so? <laughs> I mean, it depends on what you're clicking on. What, you know, like if you're just looking at everybody's perfect lives, mm -hmm. that could steal your joy. Or mm -hmm. the reels, depends on what you click on on the reels. So if you're clicking on political stuff, that's always, if you click on stories of people dying, you know, that's what you're going to see. You know, like, it depends on what you're thinking on, then you're going to click on it, and then it's going to just come up mm. all the time. I guess it robs your time. And yeah, I get to going on the reels, and it's like, oh my, I spent too much time on mm -hmm. it. It just reminds me, I mean, for women, it would be soap operas and love novels, because it never measures up to what you really have. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So there's a coveting and yeah. a, a desire to have what other people have, or what they, at least, put out that they have, right? Um, I, I had an interesting question uh, asked to me a couple of weeks ago, and, and it was, if the Apostle Paul was on earth today, would he have social media? It's like, it's like, would he view that as an opportunity to preach the gospel or to reach people, or would he say no? And how you answer that question, what kind of, what are the implications? If I say no, he would not. Like, so what do I? Why do you? Why do we have it? Or if we say, yes, it's, it's a way to reach people. Is it, though? I mean, that, you can yeah, see where I'm, where I'm at. But, um, so there, that's a, it was an interesting question. But social media can steal joy because that also is designed to cause us to desire things, whether it's an image of another person or advertisements. That I just need that product or that experience and I will be happy there my joy will be complete hidden sin too mm -hmm. there's a lot of that yeah sin that's a huge one our own sin steals our joy huge one what about death I mean, our own fear of death can steal our joy, loss of loved ones. It's a big one. I, uh, I don't know if you, many of you have heard of Tim Challies. Um, he, he's a well-known um, blogger, pastor. Um, he's done, written some books. And he, he um, a few years ago, <coughs> lost his, his firstborn son at the age of 20. And so he's, he's, and over the last few years, he has kind of just very um, vulnerably 
and transparently kind of put talked about it a little bit and written about it and there's just things about um, his joy that I, I might reference a little bit later as we talk about how do you how do you help somebody who is grieving like that um, in in the context of eternity how how can that eternal perspective help and that's what, what we want to minister and, and that is for those who have lost loved ones and it's also for those who uh, maybe are just struggling with the flu for different people at different stages of, of spiritual maturity those both seem like a, like a big deal at the moment and so how do we help provide a perspective your joy is not in your health your joy is not in um, those things but it's in Christ. So, and the next question, we've kind of talked about it as well as we've been listing these things off. By the way, were there any other, any other things that steal joy? <clears throat> Maybe a couple of, a couple of things would be like failures. If I, if I have tried something and failed at it. Um, Brooke mentioned uh, sin, if I, there's been a moral failure, if there's a sin uh, failure, if there are unmet expectations. I thought this was going to go a certain way, and it didn't go that way. Um, I thought I would be at a different point in my life or my career, and I'm not there. thought I would be married, or I thought I would be married happily, or I thought my, my children would be, I thought I'd have children. There's a lot of expectations that if we, uh, if those are unmet, then it, it's difficult to have joy. So there, there's many things, and we can go on and on, but why do these things steal joy? Why do these circumstances or, or problems, issues, why do they steal joy? Sometimes that's what we're focused on. We spend most of our time there, then seeing what else mm -hmm. beauty God has given us around us. Yeah. It, it shows what our treasure is. And we're treasuring something. We desire something that is not God. And when we do that, those things will always fail. They will always fail us. They can be taken away if we ever attained them, right? A lot of times we never attained them. So as we consider our own joy, um, in, in, especially in the context of Galatians, joy is, a, is the fruit of the Spirit. We talked last week, it's not something that just comes naturally to people. No. When we're born again, and we have the Spirit indwelling us, that is the evidence of His work in our lives. So, if we don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, we will not know joy, not true joy. So, our verse there, two verses, Galatians 5.22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So how are we, how are we going to do that? How do we grow in joy? How do we set our confidence in the right things? Um, that's what we're after today. 
And the first thing is we need to pray to the giver of joy. God's the one who gives us joy, so we look to him to sustain us through times of sorrow and pain and disappointment. So Romans 15, 13 is an example. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. What is, what is Paul teaching us there about joy? tied to what we hope in, right? So it's tied to hope. What else? It's by the power of the Holy Spirit instead of just trying to Yeah, we just don't look inside and just work out the joy, do we? We need the God of hope to fill us and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mark, what, what did you say? He was the source mm-hmm. of joy. Yeah. Some insecurity in herself. Insecurities in him. That's how joy would come. Yeah. One, one more thing is it's we're filled with joy and peace in believing. And that's going to come up later. Uh, that, that point. Because I think that's in my own heart sometimes that's where I We've got a lot of knowledge, We've got a lot of um, experience. We've, we've had good examples around us, but it comes down to, like, will I believe what he says? Let's look at Psalm 13. <clears throat> I'm going to read the whole thing, which is only six verses. This is Psalm of David. He says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him unless my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Verse 5. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. And I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. What is David doing in the midst of his sorrow? Lamenting. He's lamenting? He's going from pain to Mm -hmm. Who is he lamenting to? To God. To God. And we've talked about this before, uh, as we've talked about other um, counseling topics, but just the the idea that when hard things come, are you going to the Lord? Are you directing your thoughts and your fears and your anxieties? Are you giving those to God? So David David goes to the Lord and and he prays. What's his attitude by the end? Thankfulness. Thankfulness. Yeah. He has to reaffirm. He says, but I trust, mm-hmm. trust in your loving kindness. So he has to make a willful mm-hmm. declaration that he's going to put his trust in the Lord. Right. 
I have trusted in the Lord. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. He has dealt bountifully with me. He's reminding, and, and it doesn't mean that he felt better and he didn't have any struggle after that. Right? But he's coming back to God is faithful. Even though my friends aren't, my enemies want to kill me. They want to celebrate that I'm failing or that I have fallen or whatever the, the circumstances are. But he's trusting in the Lord and he's rejoicing in the God of his salvation. So that's, that's a key part. We have to go to the Lord. Pray to the Lord who is the, the giver of joy. Next, the next point on page two, we have to be in fellowship. Psalm 133, a song of a sense of David. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down the beard on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls in the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. David, there's joy. This is what he's saying. There's joy when we're dwelling together in unity. Acts 2, 42 through 47. And they, the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and, and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. And thirdly, there we, this verse we often talk about, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. So how does isolation, to be the opposite, how does isolation work against our joy? Self-focused. When you're isolated, you're self-focused. Yeah. You can't really find joy in that versus others focused. It just that's where joy is. Mm -hmm. Also, we don't have people that can rightly point out the sin that is there. That happened a lot through our time. So we're thankful for everybody that was around us. Right. It's easy to go off the deep end there's no one to call out your sin there's okay. no one to help you walk with you yeah so there's no accountability with you when you're by yourself we are bad accountability partners for ourselves right yeah. we can justify all kinds of things right we can convince ourselves of all kinds of, of bad ideas Yeah, there's this idea that we, we should be examining ourselves, yeah? Um, what if somebody says, well, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm just examining myself at home. 
Well, it's also an opportunity to see needs of others and bless them. If you're never around them, you don't know what their needs are. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just accountable for you, but you're accountable to meet the needs of others. Right. Yeah. It's also, I mean, it's also sin. It says not don't well, or don't forsake yeah. the well, gathering yeah. of others. And there's that. And so when you're in sin, you're going to be less joyful. Mm -hmm. That's just going to be, and part of gathering together is to fellowship and to mm -hmm. encourage people. And so if you're just hunkering down by yourself, yeah, you're sinning, which is going to create a deeper spiral of all of that. So Jeremiah, your heart's deceitful. So how do you know? That you're really examining yourself the truth. You know, you gotta have work together on that. I think about corporate worship and the benefit of being in a room with other believers, you know, singing the words of scripture to God and you know, looking around and seeing what people are struggling with in their lives and that we're all still faithfully worshiping God. Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, it would be incredibly hard to have that kind of joy and worship alone when you're not doing it together with other believers. Yeah. Yeah, there's, I mean, isolation is a, is a, one of the primary tactics of our enemy, right? If, if we can be isolated, what's the phrase? Divide and conquer, right? Um, if we are by ourselves, it's only, I mean, it's only a matter of time before we fall and we fail. Um, that, that is just how the Lord has created us. He's created us to be in relationship. And, and I mean, one of the other things about social media is it has served to kind of hyper-personalize everything. And so we're all in our own little bubble. Um, and that's really bad for us as Christians and, and even for unbelievers. You can see it. Unbelievers walking around with their, just, you know, looking at their phone. Um, that is isolating. Makes In Proverbs, it has a really good verse on that. It says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. Mm -hmm. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Yeah. So that's usually my go-to verse. Mm -hmm. Proverbs or isolation. 18. Verse 1. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Stole my thunder. That was for the next question. <laughs> no, that, that's good. Um, why, why do people fall into isolation? Many times it is exactly what Emily just read. Self-pity. Mm -hmm. Convenient. We seek our own desire. Exactly. That COVID thing pushed something. And then, I mean, you just get lazy, I guess. I guess what these people do, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, suddenly they don't want to come back, really? No, I think a lot of times it's just mistrust. Yeah. I think I think a lot of times we can call it we can say it's a lot of different things but it, when I ask somebody for advice and I don't like their advice what am I going to do? Go get a second opinion or I'm going to go do something else or I'm like oh that wasn't very loving. I might say that and maybe that's I just don't go to the church there anymore because they're they're not very loving. They didn't, you know. Now, maybe that's true or maybe you just wanted your own thing. You wanted to do what you wanted to do and so they weren't going to let you do that. Right? We shouldn't let each other do our own thing, right? As part of, of this body of believers, if I see you or you see me doing my own thing and is heading to a sinful way, you don't just say, well, that's him. He can, he can just, no, we come alongside and we, and we confront one another lovingly and gently. And we don't allow each other to make shipwreck of our faith.
So we restore one another. We pray for one another. We have difficult conversations sometimes out of love. Because if I isolate myself, I'm, I'm breaking out against all sound judgment. So. Sometimes it can also be like feeling really uncomfortable and then not being, um, if they decide not to go out with others, then it would be them not, um, not wanting to be, not wanting to challenge themselves to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. a little bit sometimes. I'm thinking of shy people. <clears throat> but it's good to be uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. Or this pandemic of social anxiety. I mean, everybody has social anxiety now. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know if that was exacerbated in COVID, or, but, but I hear that more now than. I, I think. I think. That is true. I think there's also so much talk about um, taking care of yourself, mm-hmm. and there's you need to you need to look out for you. You need to take care of yourself. If you can't take care of yourself, you can't help anybody else. And and there are there are little kernels of truth in that. But the more we tell people, especially kids, like you need to you need to be careful of yourself. You need to take care of the. the I mean, this thing might come and get you, and you might be sick, and and all this stuff. There is a an intense focus more and more on myself and what might hurt me. Um, I think the hurt is the main thing. I mean, just being a grieving person, like when you go into other groups, like they're just so scared to get hurt again. Well, mm -hmm. you're going to get hurt every time you walk out of the door, no matter Mm -hmm. if we are grieving people or not. I mean, that is just something when we're in communion that, so they choose to stay home and isolate completely so Mm -hmm. that they don't have to hear one more hurtful thing mm-hmm. and be sad for the day or yeah. um, so hurt I feel like is I mean yeah. the main focus of that so protect, myself. Mm-hmm. protect myself yeah. yeah so not wanting to be hurt not wanting to be um, hear comments or yeah. and sometimes that there's a legitimate um, reason to be cautious but we always need to not just retreat and entrust in my ability to control my environment, and that's how I'm going to have joy. Nobody has joy that way. And we, we trust in the Lord. And so we, we pray, take it to the Lord when, I, when somebody insults me or when somebody says something insensitive. Or, um, but, yeah, that's all, that's all part of the, There's a lot of things that are just kind of tied together here. So... Isolation, though, is not the answer. It's not the way that we ought to go. So, next point, point number four, is uh, we walk in obedience. There's a joy that comes from obeying the Lord. So, John 15, 8 through 11. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. What's connected to our joy here? Abiding in love. Mm Mm-hmm. Abiding in love. How do we abide in Christ's love? By focusing on the Word. Mm-hmm. Keep His commandments. 
keep his commandments, listening to his word and doing it. And we abide in his love and our joy is full. We have the joy of Christ. Number seven, maybe not the best worded question, but I, I, for the sake of time, I'll, I'll just kind of make the point. Isn't it amazing that the Father is glorified when we obey Christ and abide in his love and have joy? That's something that should spur us on, right? By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Praise the Lord that he would, he would give us that role to play. That it's possible for us to glorify the Father through our obedience to God. Galatians 5.16, a little earlier, um, says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And then down to 25, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. So why is it important uh, to walk in obedience, to walk with the spirit? We don't gratify the desires of the flesh. Right. Yeah. The alternative is bad. Yeah. Right. The, the alternative is, is going to lead to sin and death. And there's there's not like this is this is a binary, right? It's either you're walking by the spirit or you're walking by the flesh. It's not a gray area in between. So walk in obedience. In Philippians, and, and Paul does this in a lot of his letters when he's praying for them. He's, he's praying that their joy would be complete. And, and a lot of times he's in that very near context. He's talking about, you know, be unified, put off sin, put on Christ, and then so your joy is complete. So and that, that's over and over again, that, that need for us to obey and to do what we have been commanded to do by God in the Word. So we pray, we uh, don't forsake fellowship, we walk in obedience to the Lord, and then uh, point five there is we set our minds on things above. So when we struggle to have joy, we need to consider truths about God and, have, and the fact that we have a multitude of reasons to be joyful in our worship of God. So Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is, it, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So what gives us joy in this text. The fact that we've been saved and raised with Christ, but also the hope that that gives us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
other things? Are we going to appear with him in glory when he comes? Our life is hidden with him. Yeah, all of those things. How would you use this text to minister to people who are disappointed with the way their career has turned out? Not that this is the only application, but you think about people who are wish they would have accomplished more, or they don't like their, their current job, they don't feel like they're doing things that are meaningful. I instantly thought of a song, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Mm -hmm. He works in things we cannot see, He will make a way for me. You know, so it's just trusting in Him and understanding that He can get fruit out of our lives even in difficult times. Yeah. Yeah, so even, even if we're not in a job that we enjoy or that we feel satisfied in, we can still please Him by obedience. We deserve hell, so absolutely anything above that is a blessing. Mm -hmm. So we have redemption, we have Christ, so that exceeds far above anything that we can accomplish here on earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What you're getting is better than what you deserve, right? Yeah. And what we've been given, no matter what, we need to be faithful with. And remember, there's going to come a day where you don't really give a hang about <laughs> How you felt about it. Yeah. Yeah. We, he who is faithful in little things can be trusted with much. Jesus gave a parable about that. Uh, so why why is the answer not to say, well, you know what, you just get a different job? I learned a long time ago if you run away from something to escape it, you want to run right into it in another place. Mm -hmm. I tell young people, no matter where you go, you're still there. <laughs> you're still you. You're still there. Well, there is no perfect job. I mean, you'll go from one job with these benefits and down, downside mm -hmm. to something else with downside. I mean, right. where is the perfect job? I want to mm -hmm. know. Yeah, I think that, that's what people, we don't really tell them. It's like, well, when you tell somebody, hey, well, you know what? You, your gifts are being wasted. You should get a different job, or you should, you know, look for something else. Now, maybe they should, and sometimes that might be the answer. Sometimes they might, okay, well, you probably should get a different job. Um, but a lot of times, is exactly what Heather is saying. Uh, you bring the problems with you, because yeah. they're in you, you know, right? It, it's you. So a lot of times, a lot of times, the problems that I bring or that I encounter at work are because of me, um, and. And that is beside the, the deeper point, which is, where am I finding my joy? My work does not, it, it is not the thing that gives me joy. Now, it can, it can be enjoyable, and there can be a measure of joy that we can experience at work. But if I'm looking for, for my joy in my job, I'll always be disappointed. There is always thorns and thistles, and there is the effects of sin. And if you're focusing on yourself versus focusing on your mission or serving Christ, um, then it's going to be very miserable and up and down. It's going to go with the waves of whatever life throws. But if you focus on your mission with Christ, you'll find more opportunities to serve and then you'll find joy through serving. 
So um, even if your work environment is horrible, um, there's uh, shared, what's it called? Shared suffering, you know, and you can find a way to minister to other people who are also struggling with that work environment, you know, in Christ, and maybe it opens a door <coughs> to shared suffering to serve in a more eternal focused way and give them the peace that you have. And, and you hit on something there, Brooke, that if, if something is hard at work and you still have joy, that's, that's a brighter light shining in a dark place. Because we're, we're demonstrating, we have the opportunity to demonstrate that as a believer, my hope is not in this job or in easy circumstances or in more money or in whatever the things are that make it a difficult job. My joy is that I, my life is hidden with Christ and God. And this is just like a little blip on the, on the timeline of eternity. Like, I am going somewhere, and this life is over, where I will have eternal joy with my God. And I will be able to work in a wonderful, fulfilling place then. But right now, I have joy in the Lord. And again, there, there's a thousand different ways that this is, can work itself out. Because sometimes they might need to get out of that job. So we don't want to just say, well, you just need to stick it out. You know? Maybe they do. Probably they do. But maybe not. So as we counsel, we, we can listen and we, we lovingly help them. But we, we want to get to the heart. Are you finding your joy in job or in recognition or in promotion or in wealth or in paycheck? What, what are you looking to for joy? I know you just gave the one example, but it's so obvious that's the same thing with, are you finding joy in your children? You're going to get disappointed. Are you finding joy in your spouse? They, nobody, you're responsible for you. You can't, if you go into the marriage or you go into having children that's thinking, this is going to be my, eh, you're going to get disappointed. There's going to be things not so much. Yeah. And that's why you can't focus on, you have to take care of you and, and, and you know, as far as your spiritual, and make you joy, and then you can affect others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our hope is not in those things. Right. Our hope is in the Lord, and because we have such a sure hope, we have joy. Yeah. Let's look at the next one. The next one's a tough one as well. Second Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So what gives us joy in this text We are being renewed. Day by day. Mm-hmm. Trials aren't wasted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our trials aren't wasted. We are being renewed in our spirit every day. We're not looking to the things that are seen, but to eternal things that are unseen right now. The glories that are yet to come, you're going to see that. You're going to be revealed in that. Mm-hmm. It's going to be revealed. Yeah. So that's where your focus is. Yeah. 
there is an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And that is, sometimes it's easy for me to, to, to read and think, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, but for someone who's in the midst of suffering, that's what our next question is. How does this text minister to someone who is suffering, who just was diagnosed with cancer and is terminal, or someone who has just lost a loved one? I would definitely say it's clearly not self-focused. Mm-hmm. Focus on what is to come. Mm-hmm. So. It yeah. helps them see the trial as a blessing. Mm-hmm. April, what did you say again? I didn't hear. I said it's not self-focused. Like we're not focused on the death or the diagnosis, but we're focused on what eternal gift comes with that yeah yeah so this body and and this is again it's almost like I don't, I don't want to talk about it too much because I haven't experienced things to this magnitude but if you've got chronic pain it's really hard and you have to wrestle with that for years or because of some accident uh, now I'm wheelchair bound for the rest of my life or I'm paralyzed or I have some something wrong or um, in uh, Tim Chalice like I mentioned earlier he had a, an article about this text and he's trying to he's trying to, rec- you know, to reconcile this fact that he has such deep grief and pain in losing his son and knowing in his mind that okay, the glory that's coming is going to make this seem well worth it and that there will be a way that God ministers and God does things through this that he will be grateful for and thankful for that is a that's a hard thing it's an easy thing to say it's a hard thing to kind of get I think sometimes in your heart maybe it's not I don't know that's I'm using my imagination I'm not sure the Lord has has not brought something like that to me at this time listen to Johnny mm-hmm. you know, Johnny Erickson talk about her wheelchair even one in your wheelchair in heaven. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact quote, but amazingly joyful yeah. at what has made been big ministry in her life. Yeah, and, and for the amount of pain that she's endured, and, and for Paul to say it, it's not worth comparing to the glory. And in Romans 8, 18 says the same thing. The, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed to us. It's not even, it's not a contest. So I think sometimes, because um, I have chronic pain, and so sometimes like, I'll want to like, just like click on Facebook, you know, like just not think about it for a while, and then you get off and the pain is still there and nothing feels better. But if I, when I spend time thinking about heaven and reading on heaven, reading scriptures on heaven, thinking of what's to come, then it helps me to live to do the good works God has for me today that aren't going to burn up and that you know like using the pain to to speak words of truth to my kids and like those things aren't going to burn up and so then that gets exciting Mm -hmm. thinking of I think that's what scripture is talking about like living in light of eternity like it's going to be better and God is using what you have today to make heaven even better Mm -hmm. for you with Because you will be rewarded mm-hmm. for doing these things. Yeah. Yeah. 
to really several friends that have, their husbands have died, mm -hmm. and uh, for each one of them, you know, they'll they'll say we were going to do this or we were going to do that, and, and I always respond and say, but think about where they are. <clears throat> they wouldn't want to come back here mm -hmm. because they are seeing sights they have never ever seen before that are so glorious, and they're hearing sounds that. Are the sweetest and purest. And so I said, if we think about them instead of our loss, we think and we rejoice that they are living now in a, in a life that is far beyond anything we can imagine. Yeah. Well, and Johnny Erickson Tato, you would think her first, she when she, ta she was talking, her first desire in heaven would be to stand and have no pain, but her first thing is to look at Jesus. Mm -hmm. I mean, she. this has been her whole life, and yet that would be above any disability, is to see Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, sure, she'll be able to get out of the chair and without pain, but that's not her mm -hmm. focus. That her focus is her Lord, and that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. you know. and, and just think about the, the impact of, of their ministry. Right. Mm -hmm. How that has been a blessing to people here on earth and and that is also another um, blessing that if we can find our joy in the Lord and not in um, easy physical health circumstances or we can apply it to any situ situation if I can find my joy in the Lord um, and not in the status that I have achieved the degree that I earned or the fill in the blank, the car I drive, the house that I live in. What an opportunity to show a lost and anxious and fearful, lonely world the value and the glory of our Lord and glorify the Lord. And it's, I think, as I've been thinking more about heaven, then you talk about heaven more and you spur others on more. And my kids just the other day, I was saying something about heaven. And they were like, yes, mom, we know, you know, like you're talking about it a lot, mom. We know that like, and not in a bad way, but in a like, we can tell there's a difference, mom. Like you're talking about what's to come more and how sweet is that for those around you? Yeah, that's yeah, great. There's, there's an eternal weight of glory coming that's going to make it all worth it. And it's none of it's wasted, like Heather had mentioned earlier. There's no bit of suffering or trial or persecution or uh, hardship that is wasted by God. <coughs> and that can bring joy. The last point, in a few minutes left, uh, is that there are times when we know, we've heard these scriptures dozens of times, We've been taught them, um, but there's that last part that we have to like believe it. We have to trust it, trust the Lord in His Word that these things are actually true. Look at Psalm 27, 13 and 14. This is in the, the New American Standard Bible. It says, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. 
we've heard these verses before. And yet, if I'm honest, I, I, there, there are a lot of times through the week where I am not mindful of where I'm trying to get my joy from. Um, in this text, we see the psalmist is saying, I, I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the Lord, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. One way that we can start to do that is by meditating on Scripture. So in the following verses, we're going to try to go through maybe one of these at least and, and try to figure out. There's just a few questions that if we can, and there's lots of different ways to do this. I think Tim Bryant has one. I couldn't find it, but he has a way to, to where he assigns biblical meditation. Um, so there's a few questions I, I kind of got gathered from uh, a couple of different articles. But... Um, we see Habakkuk, and we, we read this one last week, but it says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, uh, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places to the choir master with stringed instruments. So just a few questions here. What is true about God in this text? And what's true about men? He's our strength. He is our strength. God the Lord is my strength. Now just think about that for a moment. How much power and strength does God have? All of it, right? He is my strength. Is that true? That's true. So the meditation part is to think about that. God the Lord the king of the universe, the one who made all of this stuff by saying it. It wasn't a strain for him. He spoke it into existence. He is my strength. 15, the question is, what, what is being experienced? And these are questions that are designed, you can ask us about a variety of texts, whatever you're thinking about. What is, what is Habakkuk experiencing here? In the midst of what kind of circumstances? Uh, strife. I mean, though the fig tree should not blossom, or fruit be on the vine. Yeah. Poverty, hunger, starvation. Drought. Drought. Judgment of God. And we're talking about the, the book of Habakkuk. Mm-hmm. So... What can I worship God for in this text? That he's my strength. He can make my feet like the deer's. Makes me tread on high places. He is the God of my salvation. And we 
can pray and worship the Lord for those things. Kind of answer 17, how can I prayerfully apply this to my heart and experience? This last week, there was some some interactions I'd had with some people that were making me really angry. I was, uh, um, throughout conversations and things that were happening, I was tempted to be angry. And I was giving it, I was angry. Uh, this is not just a temptation. I was, I was angry. And on my way to work one day, as I was, this little song came on, and it was just Isaiah 41.10. And it was, uh, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I have heard that verse a hundred times, probably more, I don't know, a lot of times. And the Lord was so gracious to give me that. And then I was just thinking, okay, fear not. Why? I am with you. Oh, yeah. God is with me. The sovereign one over all the universe is with me. Don't be dismayed. I am your God. I don't have to to be fearful of what so-and-so might do or say or what they might have. They're not my God. I don't need to worship and serve them and fear them. I don't fear them in that sense. I fear the Lord. He is my God. So there is a, a need for us to apply and to believe and to meditate on the word of God. And that gives joy. And it's not that I'm never going to struggle, but I'm going to be able to go to that verse more quickly, Lord willing, next time. And, and not, okay, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to be dismayed. My God is with me. He will uphold me. Doesn't mean it's going to work out perfectly either. Not, doesn't mean it's going to work out in, in the way that I want it to. There may be still a lot of suffering to go through, but He's with me. He will strengthen me. He will help me. So there, there's so much joy that we can experience in, in these uh, difficult things. So um, with that, uh, we're going to wrap up because we're kind of going over time here. Um, but next week, we will go ahead and pick up with. Uh, peace. So thanks everybody.